Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to carry God's truth throughout all the known world. We're looking this week at 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the Lord's other brother, Jude. So welcome and uh, stay tuned for a great uh, day. We're going to be looking at what did John the fisherman from Galilee teach, the same John who once had asked Jesus with his brother James Lord, shouldn't we call fire down from heaven like Elijah and burn up this whole village and kill everyone in it? Now, in 1 John, he preaches all about love. It's a radical transfer, transformation, a transformation that can only be brought about under the direction of Jesus Christ and through the anointment, the unction of the Holy Spirit working in one's life. And of that same Lord and God, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He is alive and as, uh, he is as live today, as real at today as anybody that you know. He's as real as the sun shines in the sky. Just as surely as the sun shines, so does the Lord Jesus Christ exist today. He's preparing, he's coming forward soon from the clouds of the heavens with his holy angels shouting, Hallelujah, and behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Let's see what is a witness John and his brother Jude had to say about him coming up here. Okay, let's begin in John, first John, so not the gospel of John, the epistles of John, first John. Chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have heard with our own ears, we have heard Jesus Christ. We have seen with our eyes Jesus Christ. We have looked upon him and our hands have handled the very word of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are eyewitnesses and earwitnesses of Jesus Christ, that he died, that he rose from the dead, and that he has today a body of flesh and bones. John saying, we felt the prince in his hands and in his feet. He is not a spirit that floats endlessly through space and at the same time is nowhere present. He is not an invisible, uh, non-existent God who has no body, no parts, no passions, for we handled him we know he had a body, we know he had parts, and we know he had passions. Totally contrary to the false doctrine being preached in today's Christianity in these abominable, heretical creeds of these Trinitarian creeds. They are evil, they are disgusting, they are tools of Satan. In fact, even Satan himself blushes at how wicked these Trinitarian creeds are, and how far removed they have led people away from the true Jesus and the true God of the Bible. If you've been caught up in such false idol worship, you reject that false Jesus, you reject that false God, and you come into the Jesus and the Lord and the Savior of the Bible. Continue on. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. We have seen Jesus Christ. 
and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us as a resurrected, glorified person. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. We don't just have a witness of the Holy Ghost. We don't just have the good feeling in our heart or, or enlightenment in our minds that Jesus rose from the dead. No, contrary to administrative officers in different churches, we know for we have seen with our eyes and handled with our body the Lord Jesus risen from the dead. And truly our and also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Why do the authors of the scriptures, the prophets and apostles, spend so much time and effort in writing the scriptures? Because they want you to have joy. We'll read next year in the Book of Mormon that Adam fell, that men might be, and men are, that they might have joy. So the same concept being here, that uh, that they write in these things so that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. We don't declare our own opinions. We don't declare what the things that we want to say. No, we only declare what Jesus Christ wants us to say. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, Protestants, <laughs> Protestants, <laughs> Evangelicals, <laughs> your alarm is going off to wake you up once again, isn't it? You've been deceived over and over again, your own... Uh, Apostle Paul preached against you. We then looked at uh, uh, James. He preached against you. Uh, Peter, he preached against you. And now John is preaching against you. Let's continue to stay tuned as we'll flush, flush out this whole epistle here. But here we begin it, right? So uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that, oh, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and have fellowship with him, but we're not keeping the commandments of Jesus and the Ten Commandments. What does he say? Walk in darkness. We lie. We lie and do not the truth. If we say we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but we're not keeping the Ten Commandments, we lie. Pretty strong words coming from the Apostle John. He just proved your church false again, didn't he? Just like Peter did. Just like James did just like Paul did. But if we walk in the light, if we keep the commandments, as Jesus is in the light, as Jesus kept the commandments of the Father, we have fellowship with one another, one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Human fallen nature is, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul taught. However, those who walk in the light and those who truly accepted the Lord will immediately try to repent and always try to transform their lives and do their best to walk in the commandments. If we confess our sins, here's the promise, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. What a great promise from the Lord. If we say that we have not sinned, we make who? God a liar. And his word is not in us. Okay, we move to chapter 2. We'll look at 1 through 12. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Look what JST does with this. But if any man sin and repent, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we must needs repent when we sin and fall short of the glory of God. And he, in verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He didn't just die for the members of, of his church, uh, uh, which there are verses that do say that, because in that context, he died for the, only the members of his church can return to live in his kingdom, right? So in that sense, he died for the members of the church, but he also died for all mankind. So that all they have to do is bow the knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord, and they can at least go to the telestial kingdom. The glory of the stars is mentioned by Peter, as mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, we ask, who's the only church in all the world who believes in the Bible? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is just over and over and over again, more closely than any other church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints continues to preach and to teach and to live by the Bible. Okay, so now we continue on here and uh, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do you know someone really knows Jesus Christ? He or she will keep his commandments. Pretty basic, right? He that saith, I know him. And keepeth not his commandments. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, evangelicals and Protestants. If you say you know Jesus Christ, if you say he's your Lord and Savior, but you don't keep his commandments, you are a liar, John says. Whew, this is strong. This, John's being stronger against you guys than even your apostle Paul. No wonder you don't want to quote John at all, right? You like to, you like to take Paul out of context sometimes and quote a verse here and there twisted as even peter said that you were going to be twisting the words of paul so you twist the words of paul take them totally out of their context but you interesting right when when has any of your pastors ever preached from first john <laughs> other than that verse right we looked at it earlier i'll give you credit uh you do quote uh uh chapter one verse nine if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse from all unrighteousness but have you ever heard your pastor preach anything else here in First John? No, right? So certainly not this, right? That he's a liar. For he's a liar, right? And you guys are liars, right? That's what John, the Apostle John, said. That he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, so again, the focus over and over again, keeping the word of Jesus, following what Jesus said, keeping the Ten Commandments. You don't have to keep the law of Moses. Don't let your false, phony pastors lead you astray when they say, oh, you don't have to do works. When they say works, that's doing the works of the law of Moses. You don't have to do the works of the law of Moses. You do have to keep the commandments. And then John preaches it 
and Paul preached it, and Peter, and James, and all the way through the scriptures, they all teach that. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So if you keep the commandments, the love of God is perfected in you. Hereby we know that we are in him, if you keep the commandments, conditional. Again, we've seen it over and over again. It's always conditional. How do you be in God? You keep his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't have the spirit of God with you. He that saith he abideth in him ought also himself so to walk even as he walked. Be therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect, or even as I am perfect, the resurrect the Lord Jesus Christ said. And he taught in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, right? Brethren, I write no new commandment to you. This is not a new commandment. This is the same commandment that's always existed. But an old commandment, which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Remember, they came up to Jesus, good master. What are the, what's the great commandment of the law? And he said, keep, love God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. If you do these two things, you keep, you're keeping all the other Ten Commandments. Verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, because he's not keeping the commandments. And walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. How many times have we got to be told about that, right? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You either love the Father God or you love the things of the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Protestants, evangelicals, better read, better read, better read that again to you, don't we? But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Again, it's not enough just to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We've looked at scriptures that teach that even the devil knows that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. They're not saved, and neither are you if you're not keeping the Ten Commandments. Move on to 19. Now, it talks about apostates from the church. There we go. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, so if they had really had a testimony of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would no doubt have continued with us. They know it's true. They, you know, they wanted to be part of it before they were part of us. They wanted with their hearts and soul to honor God, to keep his commandments. They would not have left that, right? So the proof is that if, apost if someone apostatizes from the church, they never had a testimony to begin with. They never had faith to begin with. They never had the love of God to begin with. They never had a desire to keep the commandments. 
They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So it's proof that they were not part of us for the apostates who walk away from the church. But ye have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, the Holy Ghost, and ye know all things. The Holy Ghost is a comforter, a revealer of truth. Through the Holy Ghost, you can know the truthfulness of all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Here we go. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. One plus one equals two, right? The Father and the Son, right? So who's a liar? Those who deny that Jesus is the Messiah or that deny that Jesus rose from the dead, as the Bible teaches, with a body of flesh and bones. Those who deny that, John would say, they are a liar. He is Antichrist. Who's an Antichrist? Those who deny the Father and the Son, that they're two separate beings of bodies of flesh and bones. Whoever denies that, according to John, is the Antichrist. 23, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. If you're trying to say that Jesus has no body, no personal passions, which the Bible clearly teaches that he does, you don't have the Father. You don't have the Spirit of God with you. But he that acknowledges the Son of the Bible hath the Father also. You have the Spirit of the Father with you. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, because ye have the Holy Ghost with you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, see, by keeping the commandments. If you're not keeping the commandments, when he appears at his second coming, you will be as those in the book of Revelation who are trying to hide under rocks and in caves, hide from his glorious and holy presence. But if you abide in him and keeping his commandments, then you have confidence, and you will not be ashamed before him when he comes back. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Oh, ho, ho, ho. evangelicals and the Protestants, you love to talk about being born again. How do you know someone's born again? Better read that again. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth, doeth, not believeth, not believeth, although that's the first principle, he that doeth the commandments of Jesus Christ, righteousness is born of him. He is born again. Those who are keeping the Ten Commandments and the, and the teachings of Jesus Christ, those are those born again. Not just those who come to a, a, a knowledge that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. They're not born again. 
Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches those who do righteousness, who keep the commandments, those are those who are born again. Chapter 3, 1 through 11. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What great honor and what great love that is for the Father to acknowledge us as his sons and his daughters. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, when he comes back for the second coming, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him. Now that's continually. Those who are sinning continually will not see God. They may have before, before they apostatized, before they became a son or daughter of perdition, they may have seen God, but they will not see God as they, if they continue in sin. Verse uh, 7 here, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous. He that doeth, evangelicals, Protestants, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Interesting, huh? Totally contrary to your church's teachings. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Doesn't matter whether you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That's what he said. And your apostle Paul, he always said that if you commit sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, continue in sin. He or she will commit sin from time to time. But how do you know they're with God? They will repent of their sins and transform their life as soon as they can. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness, even if they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We don't call fire down from heaven and consume the whole village, John. <laughs> Remember, Jesus rebuked him, told him not to do it, right? Okay. Uh, we'll continue on now through um, 14 through 24. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, spiritual death, right? Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. As you're judged by your thoughts. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But, so ever, but, whoso, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, if, you, if you're wealthy and, and you see your, your people are poor and suffering, and shutteth up your bowels of compassion towards them, 
how does the love of God dwell in you? It doesn't, right? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Anyone can say they love, right? But let's prove it. Let's prove it by your deeds. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And, who, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments, not because we only believe Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Got to keep the commandments. And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. If you love your neighbor, are you going to steal from him? No. Are you going to bear false witness again? No. You know, <laughs> You know, it's just you go through the Ten Commandments there, right? Are you going to murder him? No. You're going to commit adultery with, with the, his or her wife, husband? No. Right? You, keep the, you keep the commandments if you truly love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. Again, conditional. And again, the focus on keeping the commandments, not just believing Jesus to be your Savior. And he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Okay, chapter 4, 1 through 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit or everything, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets and many false things are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. How do you know something is of God? Here we go. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So we have the Book of Mormon, which we're going to start teaching next year. How do we know that the Book of Mormon is from God? Because it fulfills the biblical test that it confesseth multiple, hundreds of times, that Jesus is the Christ and is, he came in the flesh born of the Virgin Mary, died for the sins of mankind. That's how we know it's of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So if anything is teaching that Jesus is not the Christ or that Jesus did not come in the flesh, that thing is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. In fact, this is the Antichrist, spirit of Antichrist. Wherever ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Picking up in verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. So how do you know that someone is of God? When they hear the message of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, they embrace it, they change their lives, they come unto Jesus, they repent of their sins, and they get baptized in his name by those who hold the priesthood and power and authority of God. He that is not of God, they reject the message of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Hereby know ye, know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 
He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time except them who believe. If we love one another, which you know is true, right? I mean, there's some 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 of your texts may say no man has seen God at any time, but we know that's not true because you start reading the Bible and you know about Moses seeing God and you know about you know all the prophets of the Old Testament all seeing God. So no man has seen God unless they believe, right? You don't need the GST for that. Just common sense would have brought that to your, to your mind, right? If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify, we have seen again. When I didn't just feel the Holy Ghost, we, we saw, we're eyewitnesses. We are true apostles of Jesus Christ. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. So once again, we go back to this. Paul taught the same principle as well. As we look at the Book of Mormon next year, how do we know that the Book of Mormon is from God? Because it confesses. That Jesus is the Son of God dozens and dozens, hundreds of times. Therefore, God dwelleth in the Book of Mormon, and it's of God. 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Hinders our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So you have God's love, but it only goes to the door, right? We looked at this principle. It's conditional. His love goes to the door. He knocks on your door. You have to open it up and let the love come into you, into your life through the keeping and the bracing of him and his commandments. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment hath we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. Chapter 5, 1 through 3. Whosoever that believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Interesting, keeps coming over and over again, preparing us for the starting next month in the Book of Mormon. How do, uh, how do we know if someone is born of God? How do we know that the Book of Mormon is born of God along with the Bible? How do we know the Bible and the Book of Mormon are born of God? Because they teach that Jesus is the Christ. Therefore, we know it is of God. 
And everyone that loveth him that begot, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keepeth his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. How do you show that you love God? By keeping his commandments. Not just simply believing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. How many times does John have to say it? How many times does Paul have to say it? Important, right? They were led by the Holy Ghost to write it several times because they knew that there'd be false religious leaders uh, after their time, after they died off, who would go forth and, co and convince millions of people to believe that you just have to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. But it nowhere teaches that. In the Bible, over and over again, it talks about keeping his commandments. 6 through 15. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. There are three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Three. Separate individuals. And these three are one. Now, don't take that out of context, evangelicals and Protestants. You lie. You deceive mankind. You take things out of the context. You cannot take that out of the context of the prior verse. We go back to. There is he that came by water and blood. Now he's using separate substances to prove that they're different. Just as the Father is different from the Son, Son different from the Holy Ghost. So is water and blood different? Water and blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. So bear witness to the truth of that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's the context here. For there are three that bear record. Bear record of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God. The Father, the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one in bearing record, bearing truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the context here. Don't take that verse out of context. And there are three, just as there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, and the water and the blood, three separate substances, three separate substances, not one substance manifested in three different substances. <laughs> three separate substances. So are that's what he's trying to say. Just as just as the spirit and water and blood are three separate substances, so is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying. Don't take your sinning. You're sinning when you take verse 7 out of context. You have to read it in the context of the prior verses and the verses after it. So the Father, the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are three that bear witness in the heavens that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, just as there's three separate substances in the earth the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. They agree in their testimony, just as the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost agree in their testimony of the truth. 
If we receive the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Right. So if you don't believe, watch what, watch this. Boy, John's powerful, isn't he? What, those of you who reject the Bible, or reject to, or, or reject and refuse to reject and refuse to believe in the Book of Mormon, are making God a liar because you don't believe the records that God gave that bear witness of His Son. Pretty powerful wording here, John. But that's nevertheless true. You make God to be a liar if you refuse to believe in the records he gave to testify of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that you believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if you ask anything according to his will, now that's conditional, right? You have to ask according to his will. How do you know his will? Well, you live close to the spirit and have the spirit bear witness to you as to that will. He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask that's according to his will, we know that we ha will have the petitions that we desire of him as long as it's according to his will. And verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, including Trinitarian false creeds. Amen. Okay, so powerful. John the fisherman, huh? Powerful stuff, John. Uh, we obviously he wrote this much later in his life after he gained the, even a greater uh, education and what he had as a fisherman. You know, it's powerful here. We see now he's starting to move away from the law of Moses. So we know when this was written, at least we can narrow it down a little bit. This is after the temples destroyed in 70 AD. You know, it's probably closer to the end of the first century. He's quite old at this time. And now there's no need to keep the law of Moses that much anymore because the temples burned down to the ground. So he's finally coming along, coming around to accepting Paul's, quote, my gospel, right? That you keep the commandments, the Ten Commandments. You don't have to worry about keeping the law of Moses. 613 commandments, the 300 plus that you need to be doing each day and the 300 uh, prohibitions of the law. Okay, so great one, John. Now we go to Second John, another epistle written by John. We'll look at verse 5 through 11. This is to the elect lady. We don't know who that uh, is. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. So again, just like he said in First John, yes, to love one another is not a new commandment. It goes right back to the Torah. The first five books of Moses says, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. Oh, he's still preaching the same doctrine. He didn't have a change of mind because this is God's truth, right? This is God's truth. So again, 
How do we have love towards God? And we keep his commandments. We don't just believe only. We believe and keep his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. The oral traditions we taught of, the, of what Jesus taught to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount and, and so forth. Those things that Jesus taught, we should do. For many deceivers are entered into the world, <laughs> evangelicals and Protestants and your leaders, who confess not that Jesus has come in the flesh. You say he has no body, no parts, no passion, totally contrary against, against the biblical Jesus. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You teach your Trinitarian false uh, uh, creeds that Jesus has no body, no parts, no passions. You're a deceiver. You're an antichrist. And First John, he called you a liar. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not, in the doctrine of Christ, if you're not keeping the commandments, doesn't matter whether you believe it. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You don't have God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son to be with them through their spirit. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, now watch, watch what he do. If, if someone believes in the false uh, uh, creeds of a false Christianity, you don't invite them into your home. You don't have any fellowship with them. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. You don't even wish well for those kinds of people. You don't pray for them. You don't have any fellowship at all with those who are teaching false ideas about Jesus and God. For he that biddeth him, God's speed, is partaker of his evil deeds. If you do fellowship with them, if you do wish them well, you're a partaker of their evil deeds. You reject these false teachers. You reject these false Christians from your life. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Powerful again, John. We move to a, the third epistle of John, and here we go again. Here's going to be further proof again of, that there was an apostasy. It began as early as the first century A.D. Watch what happens to John, one of Jesus' original 12 apostles here in Third John. <coughs> the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Behold, uh, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. So we're going to get to what happened coming up here. But the context is John has sent some apostles or some 70 unto this church. The local leader, the, the local bishop, if you will. Now, the bishops in those days were more like kind of the Catholic hierarchy, kind of like an archbishop that's kind of like over multiple congregations, not the bishop over a couple hundred souls as we currently have in the church today. But they had these little household churches with leaders, and then above them was a bishop overseeing all these household churches. But 
nevertheless, uh, you have this leader, this bishop, if it makes you think, uh, you know, modern modern day bishop, if it makes it helps it easier for you to think about it. You have this bishop. They, they send some 70 and some or maybe apostles of 70. John sends them. He rejects them, kicks them out of their church, doesn't allow them to preach there. But at least they bring good word to John about this guy. that he's a good guy, right? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. What a great thing for fathers or mothers to know that their children are walking in the truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest, the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, that means something like dedicated to Zeus, you know, false pagan god, who loveth to have the preeminence among them. So this is a local leader, local bishop now, who thinks he's so great because he was called bishop over a couple hundred a couple hundred souls in his in his little neighborhood, right? <laughs> Thinks he's so great now. He loves to be the preeminent. He loves to sit on the stand and have people look at him during their uh, church meeting, right? Preeminence among them receiveth us not. He rejected John. He rejected those John sent. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember the deeds which he doeth, Pratting against us with malicious words. So he's kicking the true apostles out, right? If, if you don't think the church has gone into apostasy at this point, <laughs> what, what would it take for you to, to believe that, right? I mean, here they're casting out the true apostles of Jesus Christ from their church. And not only that, but he's pratting against them with malicious words. He's saying really horrible things against John and the 12 apostles. And not content therewith, neither doeth he himself receive the brethren. Rejects them. Forbids them that wouldn't cast them out of the church. Imagine if the apostles showed up to your church and, and, and your little local bishop there throws them out, right? Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good, oh, evangelicals and Protestants, how many times, how many times has the Bible testified against your church? He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil continually does not see God. That's the better, again, the better translation, right? They may have seen God before, then they apostatize from the truth. But as they continue in evil, they will not see God again. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record. And you know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not write with ink and pen unto thee. But I trust that I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Powerful, John. What great uh, epistles. Uh, that's too bad we don't have more of the things that he wrote, but those three have given us a lot of great uh, material here. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, here we go, guys. The Epistle of Jude. So, 
contrary to Catholic tradition, uh, they believe that Peter made it to Rome. Uh, historians nowadays have a lot of questions about that, whether Peter even went to Rome. But they believe that Peter went to Rome. Now, because of that tradition, they want to try to claim that Peter was somehow the uh, leader of the church. Uh, we know that, uh, according to Paul, he was James, the brother of Jesus's first counselor. In Galatians 2, he says the three pillars of the church are James, Cephas, Aramaic uh, uh, name for Peter and John. That was the first presidency. Not James the fisherman, the brother of John. James, the brother of Jesus, was the president of the church following the death of Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches, uh, multiple places. That's what all the early church fathers say. That's what all the Jewish historians, including Josephus, uh, teach, right? The early church fathers then teach that the second leader of the church was. Jesus' brother, Simon, okay? So the leadership of the church after Jesus is first James, his brother. Second, once James is killed, he's thrown off the um, um, pinnacle of the temple. He somehow survives that. So then they run up, start throwing stones at him to stone him to death, as, there were, as the Jews were always very great in stoning people to death. But he doesn't die. <laughs> Doesn't die from the stones either. Kind of like the energizer. They used to have those commercials of the uh, uh, energizer ba battery, the the rope, the you know the bunny kept going, going, and going, right? Trying to show their batteries last uh, forever. So he's thrown off the temple. Survives that. They run down. They start throwing stones at him. He somehow survives that. So then they finally come, start bashing his brains in with clubs and sticks and stuff, and then he finally died. But you know, when that happens in 62, then his brother Simon takes over as, as the leader of the church. When Simon dies, uh, approximately uh, 30 years later, the third president of the church, according to the early church fathers, is his other brother, Jude. Now, unfortunately, we don't have an epistle of Simon in the Bible, so that's unfortunate. But we did have the great epistle of James, and here we have the epistle of Jude. So, Two of the three brothers of Jesus who served as members of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles in the, the day, and, and all three became president of the church. We have epistles from two of them. So that's still pretty significant, especially when the Catholic Church are trying to cover up all the details as to what happened with the leadership of the church, trying to claim that they were the church out of all these other churches because somehow Peter came to them. But Peter's just the first counselor anyways, according to, to Paul. Descent of the true leadership of the church went to Jesus' brothers, James, Simon, and Jude. Why? Because you had to be a direct descendant of King David, right? Remember the promises made to David and things like that, right? They had to come from the royal family. They had to come from the loins of David, not a fisherman in Galilee, right? But the, but the direct descendants of King David. Therefore, the only ones that could have been from that at least had the genealogy to prove their descent from King David out of 12. Maybe the others, maybe they were too, but the only ones who could prove their descent from David was Jesus' royal family, right? Was James, Simon, and Jew. Therefore, they became the presidents of the church. A lot of people don't know that, but that doesn't change the, you know, the truth of what happened 
in our reality. I, I know that the theoretical physics the physicists are doing wonderful things and alternate realities and alternate uh, dimensions and alternate worlds and, and, and maybe things might have been different in some other world, but in this world, in the world in which you're living now and watching this, this video and the Bible that you're reading right now, this is the history, this is the truth of what happened. Okay, so we look at Jude, the brother of Jesus. Here we go. Jude, the servant of Jesus. Now, this is Dulos once again, just like James did, right? Now they could have been, they could have tried to brag brag themselves and say, you know, now Jude, president of the church and kingdom of God, uh, uh, you know, now Jude, you know, the brother of Jesus. But no, they don't, right? James didn't say that. He said he was a slave to Jesus. He translated by King James's servant, doulos, a slave or servant. Here Jude's saying the same thing, Jude, doulos of Jesus Christ. So not, he doesn't even, is too humble to admit he's the brother of Jesus Christ. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, right? <laughs> Therefore, he's, he's testified he is the brother of Jesus because he's the brother of James and James is the brother of Jesus, right? To them that are sanctified by God the Father and are preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. So here he's saying, look, I already wrote the first epistle. So again, all these lost scriptures that just didn't make it into the Bible. Too bad we don't have them, right? This is not his first epistle. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, right? So again, just like John in chapter in the third John here, Jude is testifying that there is an apostasy taking place. People are teaching false doctrines of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's needful for the members to contend against that false doctrine, to contend for the true authentic faith of Jesus Christ. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, just as those who believe in the Trinitarian creeds do today. They taught Jesus, but they taught a different Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt through Moses and parting of the Red Sea, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay, and they kept destroying those who didn't believe. Here we go. Verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great Day. So going right back and bearing testimony and witness of the 200 watchers who came down and had sex with the daughters of mankind and produced the giants in the land. Jude is lending witness to that, the truthfulness of that. Some people in the church, out of their good heart, they misinterpret this verse of scripture and, they get, and, and want to go with the one third of heaven, which we'll get to in Revelation chapter 12, right? The 112, and uh, maybe we should actually look at that. Revelation 
chapter 12. And when we get to Revelation, we'll look at this. But in Revelation chapter 12, and verse 12, and his tail, verse 4, and his tail, the dragon's tail, Satan's tail, drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them down to the earth. They did not leave their habitation voluntarily, as Jude is talking about here, right? Then the dragon stood before the woman and so forth. So so they were, um, and here we go in verse um, 9, and that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, was deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So totally different group, right? Then we see at the end of the epistle, Peter, that the devil and his servants, is this one-third part of the host of heaven, are like a lion going around seeking whom they shall devour. They're not locked up into chains reserved until the day of judgment. These are the watchers. These are those from the book of Enoch. And he's about to quote from the book of Enoch. So he knows of this. He knows of the book of Enoch because we're going to see he quotes from the book of Enoch. So he knows this, this tradition because he's a scholar of the book of Enoch. So these are those, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. They left voluntarily to come down because they saw the daughters of man the daughters of mankind, and that they were beautiful, and they lusted after them. So they left their habitation in heaven. They were not cast down. This was, you know, probably thousands of years later. This happened, uh, you know, prior to the flood, not before the, you know, the formation of the earth, when the one-third were cast down to the earth. And they're not roaring like lions, seeking whom they shall devour, but they are what? Reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day, right? So this is not, this is not the one-third from the book of Revelation. These are the 200 watchers who came down from heaven in Genesis 6, and a lot more detailed about, that, and a lot more details about them in the book of Enoch. It gets even more clear here in verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire so just as the as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah lusted after and wanted to have homosexual relations with an angel strange flesh not fully human right you know an angelic being they lusted after them wanted to have sexual the homosexual relations with them so are these angels in verse 6 who came down and had sex with the daughters of mankind going after strange flesh, not mixing. Angels should not be producing offspring with, with the humankind and humankind, you know, and vice versa, right? Okay, so so just like that, they're just they're being compared one to another. The angels came down from heaven just as the people in Samgamor going after strange flesh. Eight, likewise, also these filthy dreamers. Now, he's, he's just like Jesus, isn't he? How many times? Like 10, 11 times he calls him all kinds of different names. Just like his brother Jesus, the great uh, name caller. You know, he called people all kinds of names. So did James, right? Although James then would talk about in his epistle about, oh, the tongue's such a little member, but it can cast the whole world in fire and 
all these things, but yet he was going around saying horrible things about about Paul and uh, you know call him man a liar, you know the, you know a man of lies, uh, the liar, you know all these kinds of things. Okay, these filthy dreamers. These now the filthy dreamers again go back now to those false teachers in the in the church. The man crept in unawares in verse four. So these filthy dreamers defiled the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. They speak evil. They speak evil of the quorum of the twelve apostles. Yet Michael the archangel. Here we go. Here's the first apothecal uh, te uh, testament of. Of Moses, right? So Jude's now going to quote from the uh, Testament of of um, Moses. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. There's not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, "The Lord rebuke thee." So he's quoting from the book from the Testament of Moses on on this when Moses had died, and uh, Moses and and uh, and uh, Michael were fighting over his. His body and you know against the devil, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally, as brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they've gone in the way of Cain, who killed his brother Abel, and ran greedily after the error of, of Balaam, the swallower of the people, for reward. And, and he's the one that wanted to you know is being offered by Balak to curse Israel and receive money. And perish in the gainsaying of Corey. Cor. Uh, they, these are spots in your feet. Here we go. A bunch of name calling here, right? They're spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water. <laughs> Just like Jesus would do, right? Oh, they learn so well from him. Carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth. They're just trees whose fruit withereth. Without fruit, twice dead, they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea. Look at the name calling going on here, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And here we go. He's going to quote directly from the book of Enoch. So, what well, this is very important because this is now a second apocryphal uh, um, reference, now isn't it? So, what do we learn here, right? The scholars really love the epistles of James and Jude because they're eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus Christ. Who knew Jesus Christ better than James and Jude? Nobody, right? Simon, of course, but we don't have an epistle from, from Simon. But those who knew him best, who spent their lives growing up with him, James and Jude, right? So the, the things that they taught in, in, in their epistles would be what Jesus would most likely be teaching. And so, therefore, if if apothecal literature, the Bible, the books of Scripture that did not make it into the canonized form of the Bible that we have today, if he's quoting from the Testament of Moses and quoting from the Book of Enoch, what do we know about apothecal uh, uh, works of uh, religious writings or scriptures? They were very important in the family of Jesus, right? Therefore, they must have been important to Jesus, right? Jesus, in thirty plus years, never told. Uh, Jude, hey, you better stay away from that stuff. You better not be reading the Testament of Moses. You better not be reading the book of Enoch. No, right? Probably, sounds like he probably encouraged him. Who, 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 you know, in those days they didn't have access. No one had scriptures in their hand. No one had the internet. They couldn't just go on and read the book of Enoch, right? 
You had to make great effort to go get a copy of the book of Enoch or get a copy of the Testament of Moses, right? So most likely Jesus probably encouraged his brother to seek out those things, right? He knew he had, knew the, the, what was then the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, and then he encouraged him to even seek more further light knowledge through these other books of, of religious uh, uh, writing. Okay, so he's going to quote Enoch here. And Enoch also, the seventh from heaven, prophesied to thee, saying, Behold, here we go, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Quoting directly from the book of Enoch, which we also know he knew because he had mentioned the watchers that came down from heaven here in verse 6, right? So he's referring to the book of Enoch here multiple times here in his epistle. Here we go. More name calling. 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit of God. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding glory and with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever amen and so ended the Lord's brother at least his second epistle he'd already referenced his first epistle there we don't know how many other epistles he would end up writing but he was uh, a faithful uh, uh, to the best of his ability, and he taught his the children. We know from the church history that he taught his children, and they were faithful, and one of the Roman emperors brought them together at one point and tried to investigate them to see if the Christians were planning the rebellion you know, against his reign. These things, again, have been a great joy again to come into your life today as we studied the, the words of Jesus Christ as taught by his brother and by his apostle John. And of him we testify once again to you this day that Jesus indeed was our Lord, our God, our Savior, our all. For those of you not yet members of his church and kingdom upon the earth, we welcome you to come, come. Seek out the truth of the gospel. Come unto those who can teach you the basic principles that you need to be qualified to be able to enter the waters of baptism, being baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God. We will leave in the description of this video a link. Just click on that link, reach out to his missionaries, let them know you're ready to accept Jesus into your life. For those of you who have fallen in activity in the church, we welcome you with full open arms to Come back to the church. Come back to the kingdom of God. In closing, we ask God's blessings upon you that you may have 
safe shelter overhead that you may have food to eat and the basic and basic clean water to drink and that you may have the basic financial needs uh, that you need to carry out your the, the mission and the will of God for your life of him we testify to you this day in the name of Jesus Christ amen <laughs>